tonight we will do 112 base. And yesterday what we discussed is we finished with talking about the fact that, excuse me, even if we sometimes think to ourselves that perhaps this woman, when she's together with her Arusa, with her with a man to whom she has done a uh, arison, there's a likelihood that perhaps they will be intimate. There's not as much of a likelihood that they would like each other when it's her brother-in-law. So now we quote further in the Mishnah. Until they force him to do chalitza. If indeed we believe that they haven't done anything, why are we forcing him to do chalitza? Why are we forcing him to do even, even better? Mitzvah. Amar Rav. The case is a case where she already has gotten a divorce document, and therefore we wouldn't want to do even anyways. Our challenge is to see. Ayyavama says within 30 days of having come into the house, I did not have relations with him. Whether he says I did have relations, whether he says I did not have relations, we force him to get divorced, uh, to do chalitza to her. But if it is before, I'm sorry, after 30 days, we requested him. If she says, she says she had relations, he says they're not relations, I raise the we get to get divorced with a, document, a regular get. He says he had relations, she says they're not relations. Even if he goes back and says, I did not have relations, over here he needs divorce and chalitza. Right? Because since he went back, he still needs a divorce because he said he did have relations, but he also, since he said he didn't, he still needs chalitza. What the Bryson means is that she actually requires chalitza together with the divorce document that is already there. Because if we actually believe that he gave her a get, then why does the Bryson say that she requires get and chalitza? That's incorrect. So it means that she requires the get, the chalitza on top of the get. Ravashi, Amar Ravashi wants to take a different angle to, to approach this question from the Brisa. Over there, in the first case of the Brisa, the divorce document was for the Zika, for the nature of the closeness, that relationship that is created of a Yavam and Yavama. Here, the divorce document is for the Yibam. There were two people, a Yavam and Yavama, who came in front of Rava, and they both are now agreeing that they did not have relations. And end this whole fight. You need to do a get and a chalitza. If indeed it's called a brisa, like you're saying, fine, it is what it is. The son of Rav Nachman asks Rav Nachman, what's the halacha with the sister wife? The Yivama says he did not have relations with her. Is the sister wife forbidden? Just because we are asking him or forcing him to do chalitza, we're going to forbid the sister wife. The reason why we forced him to do chalitza or request him to do chalitza is because this woman is claiming that they did not have relations. And therefore, she is creating a situation where she's forbidden to the rest of the world. But the sister wife, Maybe they did have relations. As far as we're concerned, halakhically, we think that perhaps they did have relations. There's a chazaka, an assumption that they had relations sometimes in the last 30 days. It's only that she's making the argument that they did not have relations that requires us to give her a chalitza. Right, so that doesn't make sense. If the woman had vowed not to get any benefit from this brother-in-law, so we said it depends. When did she take this vow? Not how someone learned in a mission over there. Originally, they said, there are three women that that um, they get divorced and they collect their ksuba. A woman says, I'm tamay to you. In other words, she's the wife of a kayin and, and something bad has happened to her. She's been taken advantage of and she still gets her ksuba. That the heavens are between you and me. They know exactly how bad our relationship is. She has taken a vow not to, not to be with any, any Jew. 
Then they said, you know what? We're not going to do this anymore because if we allow this situation, then a woman will create a scenario where she wants to get divorced and she makes up one of these three circumstances just to ensure that her husband will have to divorce her. But really, she wants to get married to someone else. Rather, someone who says, I am coming to you or forbidden to you, she has to bring a proof to her claim. The heavens are between, can testify between you and me. We ask him nicely, can you do a get? I'm forbidden to all Jewish people. The husband should um, annul the part of the vow that would have been relevant to him, and then she could have relations with him. And let her, and then in this circumstance, she'll actually be forbidden to all other Jews if they are, are no longer married. I should be forbidden to all Jews. The Yavam, what's Allah regarding the Yavam? Right, the brother in law. Was her mindset that the husband is going to die and then she'll fall to Yavam and he's included or not? The Yavam is not like the Ba, not like the husband. The Yavam is like the husband. It makes sense, like Rav says, that Tanana we learned in the Mishnah. If a woman vows to have no benefit from her brother-in-law, while her husband is still alive, and then he dies, we force him to do chalitza. And if it were so that we would have thought that that uh, we should say, we should say that we only request of him because we're not sure. Maybe she's doing this just because she wants to re- get released. She's not a woman who has children at the time that she's married, and she says she doesn't want to get married to anybody else. We're not going to be concerned that perhaps she's doing this because she wants to ensure that when her husband dies and her children will die before her husband dies, that she should be forbidden to her brother-in-law. That's not uh, not oila al daita. It's not something that she's thinking about. Let's say she did not have children. What would Allah be? Then indeed we would ask him to divorce her. If she had the intention to do this for the sake of getting out of Yibam, then even while her husband is still alive, then we should actually ask him to Chalitza. Then we should split it up and teach it within this halacha itself. When, when do we say that we don't ask him? When she had children at the time that she made the claim, if she did not have children, then we would request to get divorced. Doesn't make sense whether she has because she doesn't have kids. We force them to get divorced. Like Rav, indeed, we see from here. We have finished the 13th chapter of Yavamas, I believe. A deaf mute who marries a pikeach, a deaf mute, is himself not considered to be fully mentally competent. It's a marriage, and he marries this woman who is in full, in full measure of her competence. Mental competence. Or vice versa. A man who's a bikeach, fully uh, competent, and he marries a woman who's a deaf mute. If you want to divorce, get divorced. If wants to stay married, he stay married. The same way you got married using gestures, sign language, so do you get divorced using sign language. Let's say bikeach marries a woman who is a bikeachas, and then afterwards she becomes a deaf mute. If he wants, he can divorce. If he wants, he, he, um, he can stay with her. If she comes to a shaita, he can no longer divorce her. Let's say he becomes a deaf mute or a shaita. He can't divorce her forever. Why is a woman who's a deaf mute? Why does she get divorced? But a man who becomes a deaf mute cannot divorce his wife. You cannot compare a man getting divorced to, to, 
what the man's role is in getting divorced, what the woman's role is in getting divorced. She is she to the retzaina, or she the retzaina. A woman gets divorced against her will or with her consent. A man can only get divorced with consent. And therefore, if he doesn't have full mental awareness, he can't give full consent. And since the marriage was created at a time that he did have full mental awareness, this is not a good divorce. Spoke about a tabbed minor whose husband, whose father married her off, and that indeed is considered to be a valid marriage on a Torah level. She had to beget that he should get divorced with a regular divorce, even after she grows up and it's given to her. Amrulai absolutely hates about this. Is also like that case. Two deaf new brothers get married to two deaf new sisters, or two sisters who are pikachas. Or two sisters, one of whom is a deaf mute, the other one is a pikeach. Two deaf mute sisters become married to two brothers who are pikeachs, right? Regularly accompanied. Or two brothers, one of whom is a deaf mute, the other one is a pikeach. If one of them spoils the yibam, then they're exempt from chalitza and from yibam. But if they're strangers, they do yibum. But nachalitza, because the deaf mutes are not going to be the psukim. If they want to get divorced from them afterwards, they're allowed to get divorced from them later. If two brothers, one of whom is a deaf mute, and one of them is a regular brother. They get married to two regular sisters. If the one who's a deaf mute dies, what does the other one do? The sister is going to go out right away because it was the wife's sister. Has a deraisa marriage. And that, one, that is the one who dies. The one that's left behind is only Midarbanan. What is the deaf mute who's married to the Bikach? What does he do? He's in deep trouble because the, the, his wife is now considered to be someone who's only married to him on a rabbinic level. And his sister in law is has a Zika Midaraisa. So he's going to have to. Get divorced from his wife, and the brother is his brother's wife is going to be forbidden to her ever because he cannot. He's a, he's a, she is the sister of the woman who he did a, a divorce to, right? You're only allowed to marry the wife of your the sister of your wife if the wife dies, but not if the wife just gets divorced. And over here, the wife just got divorced, and his brother's wife is forbidden to her forever, and she's forbidden to the rest of the world now. He can't do chalitza because the deaf mute cannot do chalitza. Two brothers who are in full awareness and full uh, strength of their competence. They get married to two sisters. One is deaf mute, one is not. The one who is married to the, um, the deaf mute dies. What does the other one do? The sister that felt him is not, not going to have any evil because she's his wife's sister. Now, the other direction, so the one the one who died is the one who had a full marriage, Midaraisa, the one who was left behind only had a rabbinic marriage. Once again, he sends off his wife with a divorce document and his wife's sister, right? I'm sorry, the wife of his brother with a chalitza. Two brothers, one of whom is a deaf mute, one of whom is a pikeach. He's married to two sisters. One is good, one is not. Did the one who is a charesh married to a charesh? What should the pikeach do? The one that goes out because it's his wife's sister. Let's say the pikeach was married to the pikeach dies. Then what? What does the deaf mute married to the deaf mute do? His wife goes out with the get, and the other woman is never permitted to anybody else because he can't do chalitza and he can't marry her. Once again, same problem. He's not allowed to marry her because she is the sister of uh, of his previous wife who's still alive. 
two brothers, one is full competence, one is not. Two women who are not related to each other, who are, who are in full control of their awarenesses and faculties. The one who is a definite married to the regular woman, or is the other one? Let's say the one who is the Pikach, who is married to the Pikachas, and he's the one who dies. So what is the definite married to the Pikachas do? He does even, he cannot get divorced. He could, the divorce can only be a divorce on a rabbinic level because you can't do a full-on divorce with Arisa. But the even is going to be according to the Torah because the even does not require the same level of das. You have two brothers and they're married to two, two strange people, two not related to each other. One one the one who was normal married to the deaf mute, he dies. He wants to divorce her, he can divorce her stuff. Let's say the one who is married to the regular woman, let's say he dies. Then what should the Baal, what should the um, what should the other one do? The one who is married to a deaf mute. Last case, right? You have two you have two um brothers. One brother is okay, one brother is not okay. They get married to two strange women. One is full awareness, one is not. The, the one who's a deaf mute married to the deaf mute woman, what should the Pikach, the husband of the Pikachas, what should they do? They should do Yibam. He wants to divorce her, he can. Let's married to the Pikach, dies. What should the deaf mute married to the deaf mute do? You cannot get divorced at all because Midaraisa even works, and the divorce is not going to work. And since it's a full on marriage, Midaraisa, Midaraisa, the divorce won't work. Why is it that a deaf mute made an enactment saying that their marriage works? And why the Shaita, the rabbi, did not laugh? Because we learned in a rice, a shaita or a child who gets married to a woman and then they die, their, their wives are permitted, are, are, don't have to do even even or chalitza at all. Where it's possible for them to actually have a good legitimate marriage. And the Chama said you could have a, a marriage. Where you can't have a good marriage. They don't really, they have even less of a mental capacity. A person does not live in a basket with the snake. Therefore, the rabbis did not make an enactment saying that they have that they can have a full marriage. So why is it that by Katan and Chaman did not say that their marriage is valid and by a Kharish and they said it does work? A is never going to reach the state of being valid for a regular Nisun. Therefore, the rabbi said, let's give them a marriage on a rabbinic level. But a, a minor who will never, who will come to the, at one point, the, the majority of being able to get married. So therefore, the Chum did not make a din of Nisun for that. But by the Katana, they will actually come to a, a state of being able to make a halakhically valid marriage. And still the rabbis came along and said that they have a rabbinic level of marriage beforehand. 
Over there, the only reason why the rabbis made this din is because they didn't want this woman to start running around and being promiscuous. So therefore they said, in this circumstance, we want to be able to create a rabbinic marriage so that she will become you know, uh, locked up to a specific person, so to speak, and uh, designated for a specific person. And then we will uh, erase the possibility of promiscuity. So why is a regular minor who gets married, uh, that's a rabbinic type of marriage, after her father is no longer able to marry her off, her, her brother or mother marries her off, and Midrabana is considered a marriage, and over there we allow her to do me and to, to refuse the marriage, so to speak, and, and wipe it clean. And but by a Haresh, we don't allow her to do me and even though that's also just Midrabana. If so, well, then the concern will be is she could do me in forever. And if you know that the woman always has an out to just leave the marriage or walk away one day without even requiring any divorce, then that's something that no one ever marry her and it wouldn't even help matters. But by a katana, where it's only possible for her to do me in up until the time that she turns 12 and a half, which is a majority. So therefore, we are not as concerned. And that's why we still have the, the process of me is still valid by a katana, but not by a harashas. Okay. See ya. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye.